Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
3CR, 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR on demand, out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nations at the overlap of Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples. And we pay respect to Elders past and present. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people tuning in and acknowledge that all the lands were stolen and never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I am Sally Goldner. I use the pronouns she and her. I'm a trans and bi-pan woman, and that's why this show is called Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no, ma- knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Good to be with you. Um, we thank the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news, as they do every uh, Sunday uh, morning from 11.30 till noon, Australian Eastern, currently daylight savings time. If you want to get in touch with this show, you can do so by all the modern means of communication and one that's more traditional. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456 751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And I'd better get it out of the way now. What an honour to be sharing the ring announcing duties at a show in front of 200 wrestling fans last night in Bacchus Marsh. Thank you, Mayhem Pro. Um, And we did that uh, six minutes and 15 seconds into the show today for those who are running the betting pool. Other means of communication. You can tweet at and Mastodon and Instagram and um, Blue Sky at Sal Gold said so. And 3CR 855 AM Melbourne and my page Sally Goldner AM for um, Facebook. And the traditional means of communication is that you can snail mail in PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. Any opinions on the show I express are strictly my own. And we'll give general content notes today because we will be having to talk about far-right fascism, um, but um, I think it's important that we do this on our way um, and how we combat things. And it is my pleasure to welcome... Um, three um, activists based in Singapore, which is absolutely amazing, thanks to the joys of technology and Zoo. Um, I have them on my screen, and their voices will be heard um, on your radio. And I'll get um, our three um, activists to introduce themselves as they want to um, with any combination of name, pronouns, or anything else you want to tell us. Welcome, Welcome, everybody. Someone want to um, just introduce themselves first. Hi, uh, my name is Joyce. I use she, they pronouns. And uh, yes, I'm Singaporean, but I am not in Singapore right now. I am, in fact, in the US. Uh, and I'll be going from place to place uh, uh, talking, about what, uh, talking about what's going on in uh, Singapore, which is basically... Uh, the attempt by the Christian far right to take over the Singapore state. So I'll be going from. So I will be going on what you can call a world tour. So yeah, hi. Thank you so much for joining us, Joyce. Particularly if the um, time zone is um, could be very different amongst many many other things. And do our other two um, guests um, one at a time want to d- dive in and say hello as well? 
everyone. Yes, um, Kerry here. Uh, I use she/her pronouns, and I'm also in Singapore right now. And basically, I just want to preface this by saying that a lot of what's going to happen has been happening in Singapore will affect the rest of the region, will affect the rest of the world as well. So this is not even a local issue. This is very much an international issue. That's what, that is my introduction. Very, very much so. Yeah. And to our third. Welcome. Ah, hello. I'm Harvey. I use uh, she, her pronouns. And uh, I guess my introduction is essentially that in the past one year, I've been fixed up and internationally maligned. Wow. So, yeah, look, um, that sort of gets right into the the gist of the, the very heart of these matters. Um, in terms of that, um, I might just come back to you, Harvey, but I'll get um, perhaps a, a bit more detail on what is happening with this um, rise of Christofascism uh, in Singapore and how it's affecting what we in so-called Australia would call LGBTIQI plus communities, in particular trans. That might be a place, I think, just to start to give us the and our listeners the overview of what's happening. And it's just at each point, if anyone wants to um, sort of take that away, yeah. Uh, so, for, uh, the, so the long story short is that uh, for the past uh, year and a half now, we have been battling uh, against a single far-right actor who goes by the name of Mercury, Jamie Ellis. Uh, I mean, they, like, it's not... Uh, like it's not accurate to say that you know they are Christian far right, but uh, they're but in order to get away get out of trouble from their own crimes, they've turned to the Christian far right for help and they've said you know oh I'm an ex trans person I'm a detransitioner yeah. and uh, you have a cabal of LGBTQ folks who are trying to accuse me of things I did not do uh, as retaliation for detransitioning, so that's the so that's the kind of the gist of it, but I think uh, Carrie like would uh, be able to have more input on this. Yeah, pl- please, Carrie. Thank you very much, Joyce, for the introduction. Well, I guess long and short is that Singapore has got a... I mean, Christianity has got a long history in Singapore, but it hasn't always been far-right, and it hasn't always been fundamentalist. But sometime after the late 1980s, after the Singapore Internal Security Department carried out this thing called Operation Spectrum and detained uh, close to about more than 15 um, Catholic social activists in Singapore, accusing them of a Marxist conspiracy, ever since then, a lot of our religious politics has shifted drastically towards the far-right, especially when it comes to Christian politics in Singapore. And so that is much more recent development, but we're looking at 36 years of history in terms of the Singapore political landscape. And why is this relevant here right now? And why does why does this affect the rest of the world right now as well? And not just queer and trans Singaporeans and queer and trans people around the world, but ordinary people everywhere in different parts of the world as well. It's because essentially it is national security and political economy in any society are intrinsically intertwined. You can't separate the two from each other. And in fact, economists have a term for that. They call it the guns versus butter problem. Every society is going to face a trade-off in that. But the question is, it's inevitable for any society to mess that up at some point. How do you answer to the mess-ups? How do you respond to the mess-ups when you have people in society who ask inconvenient questions about this, who bring these things to attention? How do you respond to that? In general, governments respond to it with two different responses. Either they choose to fix the problems at the core 
of it, or they choose to fix up the people who raise these problems and bring these problems to public attention because they are inconvenient. And the crux of this whole Mercury situation and this whole Christian far right, and not just Christian far right, but multiple other far right groups and actors in Singapore, the crux of this situation is that the persistent response ever since then has been to fix up the people bringing these attention, these problems to attention, rather than to fix the problems themselves. And that is how we have gotten to this stage today. And when it comes to Singapore, Singapore has three very unique characteristics. I think a lot of people have many different opinions about Singapore, but we're not looking at the opinions today. We're looking at the facts about Singapore. The undisputed facts about Singapore is that we are a very small, we have a very small land area. We have a very high population density living in this small land area. And compared to most other societies that are a lot larger, a lot sparser, we are a much more governable society. What that also means is that whatever happens in Singapore reverberates around the rest of the world as well, right? And so any political changes that happen in Singapore, especially given the regional landscape, especially given the presence of other religious far-right groups in the region as well, the Muslim far-right, the Buddhist far-right, the Hindu far-right, whatever happens in Singapore, a Christian far-right takeover in Singapore will impact the rest of the region, will impact the rest of the world. This has consequences for great power rivalry as well. So what happens in Singapore could very much start the Third World War, to put it this way, right? So that is basically the crux of what's, what was happening right now. And for the past year and a half, basically, this has been seven, 16, 17 months or so already, essentially, you've got this person called Mercury Jamie Ellis, which Joyce has talked about, whom essentially, in any other society, especially one like Singapore, who claims to emphasize the importance of stability of law and order and stuff, you would imagine that the first response would be, let's take a tough stance about this, let's stop the harassment, let's stop the threats, let's stop the threats to public safety, to public order, to the, the, the not, and, and, not, and not just to trans people and queer people, but to ordinary people, mm. because Mercury's victims have included people as young as five to as old as 88. So Mercury targets people of all demographics, of all races and religions, of all genders and sexualities, of all kinds of basically all segments of the population that should be any for any for any society for any government that's the first thing you would want to come in you're not you would want to take a tough stance and say we'll take this seriously this did not happen in singapore because we are so used as a society to not wanting to publicly admit that we have these serious problems to want to keep up a certain image that we are able to keep everything in order and that we don't in fact have these problems, that the impulse is automatically to fix up the people who bring this to attention and basically characterize us as the threat actor instead, rather than confront the fact that you have a real threat actor amongst your midst which you are unable to deal with. Thank you for that. I think that really puts the the picture in perspective and um, sort of does that um, sort of incredibly well. I think um, that it's also a good lead-in to a question we want to discuss. I mean, these are my words, um, but there's discussion. Not, and I'll say there is discussion about exactly. You know, you've touched on the govern the sort of um, governing the way Singapore is governed and sort of controlled, keep things in order. Um, But is there any sort of official opposition or opposition parties? who are trying to oppose this along with people like yourselves? Um, or is that sort of being silenced? What is the, um, perhaps tell us in your own words what the story is there, anyone who wants to chip in? Well, I mean, I would respond to that by saying two things. 
the first is that I come to this call and I come to any conversation about this matter, not as an activist, although I do have a history as a community organizer, because when you live on the margins, you have to organize to survive. Totally. But I come to this call as a direct survivor, as a direct victim who's facing a lot of this far-right extremism in Singapore, these attacks for the past 17 months. I don't have the time to be an activist when it comes to these matters. This is a matter of daily survival. This is a matter of life and death. And so a lot of what I say here, and now we get to the matter of other political parties in Singapore, neither the ruling party nor the opposition parties in Singapore are particularly appraised of the full state of affairs in this matter precisely because it has not been brought to public attention and in singapore we essentially have what's a power vacuum right now right whereby nobody is really prepared to govern this society because there is so much going on and people look at it and it's just so overwhelming and essentially nobody dares to confront the full extent of things so you have a lot of parties in singapore who essentially are proceeding business as usual not necessarily because they don't want to take a position about it but because they don't know even a fraction of, of, of the extent of things and i would say that this will come as a true shock when it comes to the attention of most singaporeans and that is exactly why the people who are in charge of trying to keep this situation in order do not dare to let it blow up and are trying to deliver like persistently ensure that this does not come to public attention that is what is actually currently going on and i'll say that on the ground you do have people who are increasingly finding out about the fact that these things are happening and this is obviously a concern in singapore because singapore has prided ourselves on being stuff like anti-corrupt on being stuff like one of the safest countries in the world on being stuff that you can go on the streets and nobody is going to kidnap you nobody is going to kill you nobody's going to mm -hmm. rob you that is the general perception that people have in singapore including by singaporeans including internationally what happens when that comes under attack what happens when you have an adversary that can exploit police procedure to obtain someone's address what happens when you get an adversary who can go who can send someone into a hospital ward to murder people right you have these things happening and people hear about it and inevitably after a while people will be like what is the government doing about it but this is ultimately not a matter that can only be left to the government essentially because you need communities who are able to be resilient who are able to basically be vigilant in the face of these far-right threats because far-right threats have been in singapore for a long time it's a matter of whether we are able to respond to them because we to be completely realistic, Singapore, is, given our positionality, given the fact that we are essentially at the centre of a region that is very much at the intersection of a lot of global passageways, a lot of global mm -hmm. conflicts, as well, and, 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 and the, the attention of a lot of global superpower rivalry as well. US has its size on the region, China has its size on the region, India has its size on the region. You are definitely going to have a lot of confluence of a lot of far-right extremist actors that want to set their sights on Singapore, not just far right, all kinds of adversaries that want to set their sights on Singapore. This is inevitable. The question is, do the people up there have the ability to confront these things? Have we built up collectively, not just at the government level, but as a society, have we built up the necessary capabilities in our communities to confront far right actionism in Singapore? Or is it a lot of basically trying to pretend the problem is not as bad as it actually is? So I think that's actually where we are right now as it, as it stands. And that's why you have this whole impulse when it comes to fixing people rather than fixing problems you know and and this is actually this actually ties back to a, a 2021 protest that happened in singapore when it comes to trans rights in singapore which was called fixed schools not students i think if we extrapolate that a bit larger what we essentially have is so we need to essentially call for singapore to fix problems not people in the same vein of fixed schools not students okay. And this actually ties in, in fact, to the fact that a lot of the national security interventions that has happened have been very much focused on trying to ensure that certain 
contentious matters in our political economy do not get surfaced for fear that if the truth about them gets brought to light, the full extent about them gets brought to light, it will destabilize our Singaporean security and economy because other people can exploit it. One example, which I think um, has been brought up, has to do with essentially our retirement adequacy systems in Singapore. When it comes to our essentially what's, what's our compulsory savings system in Singapore called the CPF, right? And I'll leave Joyce to talk more about that, actually. Yeah, please, please go ahead, Joyce. So, so yes, uh... So I wish to talk about uh, Operation Providence and the Central Providence Fund in Singapore. Okay, uh, as Carrie has already said, uh, the Central Providence Fund or the CPF is a mandatory uh, retirement savings scheme. So at the uh, so at the end of the month, uh, your employer has to your employer has to basically uh, like when they pay you, they have to take twenty percent of your salary and put that uh, in your CPF. The promise is that when you reach 55, you can start uh, withdrawing, uh, you can start withdrawing the funds from the CPF provided that you've reached the minimum sum. So yeah, uh, to put it this way, and I do, and I will hand it off to Harvey uh, really shortly. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> last what is that so uh yeah like uh, two weeks ago i staged the protest here in seattle uh regarding the situation in singapore and bef- and well turns out that a week before that harvey as well as another friend got accosted and beat up by thugs mm. what you know and the thugs were told to send harvey a message which essentially, you know, tells her to keep her mouth shut about certain things. But shut about what? Mm. This is where we get to Operation Providence. And uh, Harvey, I, you know, uh, I'm going to pass the mic to you. So maybe you want to explain what Operation Providence is about. Please do, Harvey. Yeah. And I would just ask, add for our listeners, um, Rainbow Door, one eight hundred seven two nine three six seven. And Q Life in Australia one eight hundred one eight four five two seven. If you do need to talk about anything that is um, um, of concern to you, um, Harvey, yeah, tell us more about what um, Joyce has just um, started talk, um, discussing. We've had some dropout, have we? I think I'll just briefly. Okay. Uh- yeah, because Harvey has mentioned um, a bit about this, but basically um, a very brief summary of this operation is essentially that in the lead up after the 20, 2011 general elections, which has to be seen in Singapore in the context of the aftermath of the global financial crisis in 2008, which has wiped out many millions of people's retirement saving funds around the world, not just in Singapore, of course, right? As well as the after effects of essentially a long decade in the 2000s of basically Singapore uncritically embracing the Reagan-Thatcher doctrine, neoliberal economic policies, deregulation of finance, those are the exact same things that led to the 2008 global financial crisis, and which has definitely hit Singapore as well. But Singapore, the narrative we tell ourselves is essentially that the Asian financial crisis of 1997 and 1998 had left us relatively unscathed, right? So Singapore walked away from that, deciding we have the confidence now, let's deregulate the financial sector in Singapore. Let's turn Singapore into a global financial, se- into a global, global financial center 
even though that comes at the expense of working class Singaporeans, even though that comes at the expense of the stability of our economy, even though that essentially exposes us to certain kinds of shocks that we are unable to deal with later on. So the 2011 general election came as a shock to Singapore's government, came as a shock to Singapore's ruling party because they lost one group one group representative constituency, which in, in any other countries, th that result would be considered a landslide victory. 60% votes would be considered a landslide victory in any other country. But in Singapore, that was considered a true shock to them. And then after, in, in the lead up to that, in the next few years, 2012, 2013, 2014, you've got multiple political observers, you've got multiple notable opposition politicians in Singapore who started raising questions about the CPF savings of Singaporeans and basically how much of that is actually left to what is what is that what are these savings being used on and the, and the thing is that's very hard to find answers about them because while data is sometimes available you're never going to be able to find the full data on it partly because of security reasons and confidentiality reasons but the other part of it is because there is a lot of I mean as we know from the global financial crisis like a lot of how financial management is done is such that um certain things are disclosed in a certain manner so as to present a certain picture of things. And in Singapore especially, I think the the impulse has been to present a picture that our economy is very much doing fine in, the, in terms of the fundamentals, right? So then we get to Operation Providence, which is how does the state and in particular the internal security department respond when people are asking questions that cut too close to the heart of something that is deemed uncom un uncomfortable or inconvenient. Now I pass this to Joyce, and then after that, I think after a short outline of that, we can talk about the costing. Yeah, go for it, Joyce. So yes, uh, to keep like to keep a a long story short, uh, it, as Carrie already said, uh, people around that time were asking questions about uh the CPF and whether we have we actually have enough uh. Uh, funds in our in the CPF as well as the Singapore Financial Reserves. So at the time. Opposition politician, Kenneth Jayaratnam, uh, he was looking at the Ministry of, like, data available from the Ministry of Finance, and he started, uh, and he started raising concerns after the 2012 budget in regards to Singapore's, fine, uh, the state of Singapore's financial reserves and uh, the CPF as well. Mm -hmm. The government uh, felt that Kenneth had, got, had started to tread a bit too close for comfort as you know, uh, the CPF matter is considered quite sensitive for the Singapore government, right? Yeah. So they start figuring out how, you know, they could discredit Kenneth of Jeratnam. And this is where we get to Harvey. Where, so at the time, Harvey was online friends with Kenneth of Jeratnam's son. Right. And because, and because of... Uh, because of Harvey's uh, uh, familial connections on a estranged father's side, uh, there was a there was also another indirect connection uh, to an associate of Kenneth Jeratnam. So uh, this is uh, I I won't go into the like the specifics of that, yeah. but long story short, the Internal Security Department realized that hey, if we if we get Harvey to testify against Kenneth Jeratnam on, uh, you know, on our behalf, we could discredit, uh, we could uh, discredit the guy, and that's what they did. What they proceeded to do in 2013 was to frame Harvey for a bomb hoax she did not commit, so that when she uh, is arrested and uh, interrogated, 
your internal security department can then step in and say, you know, you do this for us. Harvey refused to, uh, given previous life experiences with the police. Mm-hmm. She refused to. And, and yeah, this, uh, and since then, uh, in 2014 and in 2015, she has been uh, accused of further bomb hoaxes. You know, she was uh, remanded to the Institute of Mental Health uh, both in 2013 and then in 2014. And in the 2014 remand to the Institute of Mental Health, she was raped. Mm. And since then, uh, Harvey has not, uh, H- Harvey has not seen justice for that. Like, uh, in 2016, when Harvey filed a police report about that rape, the police basically uh, said they were not going to take any further action, which, uh, for which Harvey had to then file a civil suit against the National Healthcare Group, the parent organization of the Institute of Mental Health, which uh, eventually, because Harvey was not able to get a lawyer, the case was dismissed. I would like to ship in a very so, yeah. Actually, the That's, police was filed yeah, at just, the end I'm, of the end of the my and we went to the end of the So to speak, and just for our listeners, again, 1-800-184-527, 1-800-729-367, numbers to call in Australia if anything is distressing in that content. Um, yeah. Kelly, uh, you were saying something. What's the clarification? Yeah, Sorry. Here. I made a clarification earlier because um, the police report was in fact filed in 2014 and was only informed to Harvey that no further action be taken against her rapist in 2016. So it basically took more than... Okay, that's, uh, yes, I, uh, that's, my, uh, uh, oh, that's my mistake, my bad. Yeah. Thank you. We can all have a slip, a slip on a digit. So there is just so much um, going on here, um, Joyce, Carrie, um, Harvey, on all of these things. Um, what can um, people in Australia and around the world do, and I'll say not do, um, that would be of assistance to you in your sort of striving against all these matters? How can we be supportive um, in terms of what we do and what we don't do that would be of help? Okay, uh, Carrie, uh, do you have anything? Uh, do you have uh, anything to say uh, first? Uh, okay, so uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Ways that people around the world, both in Australia and everywhere else in the world, can support us is basically number one: show up for our upcoming actions. There's an action happening on the nineteenth of November. 2023 at 4 p.m. at the State Library in Melbourne, basically. I think anyone who can show up for that action, that would definitely be a major help for us. Number two, other kinds of support would include, of course, getting the word out about the matter, as well as getting people to write into their lo- to, 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 to the relevant embassies to basically ask the Singapore government what was going on about this, take action about this, and basically getting more people to take take whatever kind of kinds of action that will bring this to attention and that will ensure that people around the world are showing that this is not something that they will stand for even in Singapore, because it's a matter that's interconnected for all of us, and because whatever happens in Singapore will affect them as well. Great. Thank you for that, Harry. Um, yeah. And I would like, and so, okay, one thing that may not have been, uh, like, where the pieces uh, don't, uh, are not exactly joined together yet is how does this, uh, how does the CPF matter 
uh, tie into the whole, uh, how does it tie into the Mercury and the Christian far right case? Well, long story short, the ISD themselves, uh, it's okay, before I even get to that, Harvey uh, and Mercury met in 2019, where uh, Mercury at the time said, that, oh, you know, uh, that she was a tr uh, trans woman that got kicked out of her family home because her family uh, is transphobic. That's true. And, and yeah, like without going to the specific details, there were, uh, like, there were contentions between both Mercury and Harvey, and that became known uh, such that the internal security department realized that, hey, Mercury could, uh, like, could be a very good... Uh, well, a uh, fixer uh, to deal with Harvey and, you know, uh, uh, because now Harvey knows about the whole Providence thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, my understanding at least is that, my understanding at least is that basically they, uh, they basically sent uh, messages to uh, Mercury's fam uh, like parents threatening to firebomb the family home so that Mercury, as well as Jorina, her sister, uh, Mercury's older sister, I think, uh, would be interrogated by uh, the police. And then the internal security department can step in and say, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Carrie, go on. It's... Specifically, what that involved was that the, the internal security department purported to have received an anonymous tip-off that Mercury's sister, Jorina, was going to plot, was going to plot a terror attack on the P-Project shelter in Singapore out of supposedly transphobic actionist um, like motives and use that as basically a pretext to basically bring Mercury even in for questioning and during that process ask Mercury to carry out certain favours for them and basically assist them in much longer term ways and that is actually that ties to Mercury subsequently repeatedly mentioning that they have an ISD handle for example mm. yeah. look this so yeah yeah Certainly, this whole situation sounds like, you know, on so many levels, a massive, we'll say, massive abuses and misuse of power that needs to be <clears throat> made, spoke, you know, communicated about, as you all have said, and very, <clears throat> excuse me, very, you know, just horrifying circumstances personally and just, you know, sort of every affirmation of how horrible those in, in that sense of how horrible these experiences are and you know just commendation to all of you for um, being willing to speak out about these issues in what are very intimidating circumstances it's um you know um just um, an absolutely incredible situation and that you're doing so from um everywhere to do this um you know it's um it's just an, an just the whole com complication of it all. There's so many angles to this. Um, um, it seems just seems absolutely almost beyond measure, probably to a lot of people and or to some of our listeners. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add about this whole situation before we um, wrap it up at this point? Um, I think we've got got the gist of it. I will, <clears throat> you know, sort of. Um, you know, I've, you've got your website in there, safetyforsingapore.com is where we, we, people can find out more detail about all, many of these things. Um, now, is there anything else that um, each of you would um, like to add to um, close our conversation? 
So the main, uh, before I pass it on to Carrie to uh, wrap up, the main thing I, uh, I want to say, given uh, my experience organizing elsewhere, uh, mainly, you know, uh, in the West, is that uh, there, like, I've seen a lot of people, uh, even in the West, to say that, you know, if things, uh, like, if things go uh, south, that, you know, they're going to move, uh, like, you know, they want, uh, they're going to move to some other country, they're going to move to Canada, they're going to move to Europe, you know, or New Zealand or something, right? And on that front, uh, I, like, if you look at what's going on in New Zealand, more, you know, in the, rec- in the recent few weeks, mm. uh, they have, like, their government has completely flipped, you know, uh, to being a very conservative uh, uh, government, you know, and that's, uh, and that's uh, not saying a whole lot there, right? So what I want to say is that, that you know, no matter where you go, you have to fight back. You have to stand up for these sorts of things because uh, they are stand up against these sorts of things because, you know, uh, if you don't do that, there'll be no safe haven for any one of us. The, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, there, there's no uh, safe haven for, a- for any one of us. There may be temporary reprieve. You can escape mm. fascism, and, you know, uh, or, or whichever far-right uh uh, threat for a short while, but if you don't, uh, but if you don't speak up, they eventually get you. That's what I'm to say. And also, uh, you've mentioned the uh, safety for Singapore site. I do wish to clarify that that uh, that the site is not run by any one of us. Uh, the the site are uh, run by uh, a group of other organizers and activists who are aware of the situation. So yeah, uh, Carrie, do you have anything uh, you want to say to wrap this up? Yes, I, I wanted to actually give the shout out to the people who, the international commerce of ours who have been supporting us in terms of putting up a lot of this content because, you know, we are, a lot of us, like I said earlier, we are not activists, we are swamped to the core trying to survive day to day in this situation. We are not coming to this from the perspective of activists in Singapore, even if we have our own experience doing activist work in Singapore. A lot of what we are doing here is basically, this is a live or die matter. And so what I want to wrap this up by saying is basically, you've got certain departments in Singapore, you've got certain agencies, and not all agencies in Singapore like this. No state in the world is a monolith, right? Mm. Of course, no institution, no government, no society in the world is a monolith. But you have certain agencies in Singapore who have been operating under the premise that they can fix people rather than fix problems. They can get anyone to sell out against the interests of their commerce, against the interests of their fellow citizens, against the interests of their fellow people. That is the most detrimental thing, the single most detrimental thing to Singapore's national security. And no department that claims to be an internal security department can be encouraging fellow Singaporeans to sell each other out. So the one last message I want to leave for all of us, basically, internationally, in Australia, everywhere else around the world, whoever is listening, is we stand with each other. We do not sell each other out. And anyone who tries to sell each other out, obviously that goes against the interests of Singapore, of the people of Singapore, and of the people of the world, because this is a matter that I, I reiterate, this is not a Singaporean matter, this is a global matter, this is a matter that has consequences for people everywhere in the world, because if Operation High Tide and the remaining fix-ups succeed in Singapore, Singapore is taken by over by any far-right adversary, there will be no safe country, there will be no safe society left in the world, anywhere you go, for anyone 
of any demographic, especially the most marginalized, especially the most precarious. So the message I want to leave for everyone essentially basically is that it's, it's basically stand with us, stand with each other, and let's make sure we do not repeat the same thing. And to the people who have been essentially using this intimidation tactics to try to frame people up, to try to fix people up, to try to silence people from bringing these, these matters to attention, I will quote um, the words, I will, I will borrow the words of a former Singaporean Prime Minister. Continue this and we will, by every means at our disposal, teach you and get the people of Singapore to teach you a lesson you won't forget. And we are prepared to start all over again or stop it. That is my message. And I think anyone in the world stand with us. We stand together. We will not stand for this kind of selling each other out. We will not stand for this yep. kind of fixing each other up. Thank you very much. Cool. Harvey, anything from your, from you? Uh, okay. I'll say I hope that I hope that more people of the world do stand with us and I hope that we survive and everyone else who may be fixed up uh, by the Singapore state or by crystal fascists anywhere else also survive. Thank you so much, Harvey. Joyce, Carrie and Harvey, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, sort of sending every strength to you in your what you are striving to do. Um, just hang on a second while I play some music for our listeners and uh, we'll just um, wrap up our little chat off air. You're on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. So I dug my heels right in And I refused to cry He just stood there in his slip-ons As I kissed that boy goodbye I like boys in boots Boys in boots When you're stepping out There ain't no substitute Oh, that's what I like I like boys in boots Boys in boots. 
Real, it's authentic, and it hugs you, and it loves you for you, and that's what I think 3CR is. It's your best friend that doesn't care what you look like, how you sound, how you dress, how you move. It's going to accept you and love you as you are. Music from the wetlands on the banks of the Yarra River in Elphington on Sunday the 19th of November is a celebration of music, community and the environment. Music all afternoon featuring local and established artists including Kutcher Edwards and Al Sakuma Beats. Food and drinks available, great kids activities and displays from environmental groups. Why not join Havana Palava's Music March from Elphington Park at 11.45am and make a day of it? More details at musicfromthewetlands.com.au Music from the Wetlands is a 3CR supporter. Yelena, Yelena. 3CR, 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. The two tracks we've heard today, we opened up on the show right back at the start with Taxi Ride, Can You Feel? And we also heard from Tanya Kernigan from an album from way, way back now. Um, that was in the 1996's album, December Moon, Boys in Boots, Yean and Aharon. Um, we like that because uh, that's what we do. Um well, um, just once again, if there was any distressing content in our discussion with um, Carrie, Joyce and Harvey on the situation in Singapore, which, you know, if I can add one small analytical comment, the sense of misuse of power, as I say, they're almost authoritarianism that is happening seems very, very appalling. But they're quite right. It, um, you know, we sometimes tend to think that maybe in Australia where in inverted commas, a little better off. But, um, you know, it, it is a very sobering conversation that we need to have. And I think they're also quite right, you know, about temporary havens um, and that um, it does need this combined um, asserting ourselves against the sort of nonsense that is happening around the world um, to do what we can to, to deal with it. And, you know, the thought that struck me, you know, just to give a... Um, I'd say personal perspective, just once again, how often people with power um, tend to you know, not use it appropriately. That sort of thing is just, um, yeah, um, you know, misuse of power, whether it's a government agency, a government, an authority, if I can use that word, um, and they just don't really have any sense of, I'll say, empathy and kindness for the people whose lives for whom they hold responsibility. And it can happen in ways big and small, employers and organisations and all these things. And you know how we teach people to use power wisely is a very interesting thought indeed. Um, coming back closer to home, I um, and certainly um, holding space for what we just discussed, um, Closer to home, I had to say I had a wonderful day on Friday um, as 
um, just declaring an interest as a paid MC for an event called Pride in the North Beyond the Rainbow Lanyard. And I think there was some good things, you know, some themes out of this that were worth discussing that, you know, we are, let's be grateful for the fact that in Victoria in particular, you know, we are, you know, we do have at least a reasonable understanding of LGBTIQA plus overall. Yes, we can always keep improving. But I think this, the idea of beyond the rainbow lanyard is the first one I'd like to discuss. Yes, now we need to start drilling in a bit more. And Pride in the North um, sort of covered the northern suburbs of Melbourne, we'll say just into the uh, metropolitan fringe heading into regional Victoria and then into the next sort of regional areas around. So it was a very large area, but that also um, looks at the fact that every area will be unique. Um, The multicultural aspects of the north are most likely different, say, to the inner southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, Similarly, um, regional and metro will have differences um, multi-faith aspects, um, socio-economic differences. And I think this is something that um, perhaps we, you know, as we start doing more inclusion work, that, every, you know, yes, you can certainly have broad values of respect and inclusivity and intersectionality, and then you've got to live them on a day-to-day basis. And when you drill down into that, that means holding space for each individual. And I think that's a really, um, it was a really good, thoughtful forum. Um, 160 plus people there um, and do have to say some great drag acts at the end of the day. Um, BLL Bazaar, um, the wonderful Freighter Commitment um, as well and Cerulean who entertained brilliantly. Cerulean, a great um, First Nations performer as well and great to see them um, get rousing uh, applause for their each of their um, two numbers each. And yeah, as I say, a lot of fun, um, as well as um, earning a buckaroo, um, being an MC. Yours truly available for um, MCing um, relationship, cere- relationship ceremony gatherings, not the official part, and um, professional wrestling ring announcing. Um, there we go. And But yeah, seriously, some great um, work being done by everyone in the North. Well done to all the organisers um, to bring so many people together, some good strategic thinking that we need, um, yeah, really, really well done um, to pull it all together the way they did. Um, what else is going on? Um, of course, there's lots of things happening on this long weekend, um, which are very, very important, um, um, or more relaxing, I should say, as well as important. Um, you know, it's sort of a pseudo long weekend, we'll say. If, um, not acknowledging freedom of species coming up um, soon at one o'clock. It sort of often turns into a long weekend for the wrong reasons. It's Melbourne having a metro, having a holiday for a horse race, um, which increasingly, of course, is being avoided. Um, remember the Nup to the Cup um, celebration on Tuesday. Um, and freedom of species today, we'll be talking about a, a wonderful new book, um, Pollution is colonialism, and I think that's a that's going to be a really interesting take. I got a little hint from that from the Freedom of Species crew last week, and my ears pricked up. So I've got some um, reading as we now sort of we're beginning to think about the end of the year. Um, if I get a chance to lie in the sun over January, I'm sure I will be taking a break. Um, you know, that looks sounds like some very thought provoking reading to have that sort of um, reading. Um, you know, sort of um, under consideration. So, um, yeah, it's a really good day on Friday and, um, 
you know, sort of I think this is, as I say, things we need to be talking about, how we drill down into those differences. Um, just checking in for any messages, but um, everyone's a bit quiet today. Maybe everyone is on cup day holiday, um, is in hungover mode. I, I'm not hungover, I'm just a bit, um, what is it? I'm just, ang- um, um, what is it? Um, I'm not, I'm not angry, I'm just a little unwell or something like that song, whatever that is. Um, have a, um, a quick message and um, about people who support 3CR and then come back and um, clean up um, the show for the week and tell you about our guests for next week. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Liebe Grüße aus Deutschland, hast du ein Clown gefrühstückt? This is Tim McMillan, support the radio station that supports live music in Melbourne, 3CR. That is us, yes, 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR on demand. As I said, freedom of species covering pollution is colonialism. You then have uh, rotations at 2pm, um, um, queering the air at 3 and the uh, Salam radio show from 4 till 6, your afternoons listening on 3CR, great community broadcasting. And congrats to the fabulous Julia Fox, who won a an award for contributions to the community radio sector at last night's um, Community Broadcasting Association Awards, which I believe were over in Adelaide. Um, still to catch up on that after a busy night myself last night. Uh, well done, Fox. And thank you, as always, to all the wonderful 3CR team here we're just so supportive um, of each other. It's great to have that sort of um, camaraderie in a team environment and um, often, you know, it doesn't happen. And someone said something to me once. They said, sometimes it doesn't matter what you do for work. It's the people you work with. Now, work, of course, is not just about um, getting payment. And, you know, there's also that saying, if you can get to it, um, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I have to admit, on Friday, I did feel that way at the um, um, the Pride in the North Summit. It was just such a, a warm feeling, but professional and supportive and safe. And someone spoke up at the end and said how safe they felt um, in the space, which I think is really important. And that's emotion- emotionally safe as well, um, of course, um, goes beyond that as well as physical. Now, next week on the show, someone I've been anxious to chat to or eager to chat for to with is a better word. Uh, he's been on the show before. He's one of our friends and alumni, if you like, Noah Risman. And Noah um, has put out the book, The History of Trans in Australia. And um, I'm getting the proverbial rave reviews, as they, they say. And I'll be anxious to ca- I'm looking forward to catching up with him to talk about that as we head into... Um, Trans Awareness Week leading up to Trans Day of Remembrance and then of course we've got Trans Day of Resistance this year as well at around the same time which uh, as we heard from Carrie, Harvey and Joyce we certainly do need. I do want to thank Raina and Debbie for their help in organising uh, my interview today with our three guests. Um, very, very much appreciated as part of um, building community. Um, that just about wraps it up for today on Out of the Pan um, get in touch with the show if there is anything to talk about. And just once again, one eight hundred one eight four five two seven to talk to Q Life, including Switchboard one eight hundred seven two nine three six seven for Rainbow Door. If there is anything that came up in today's show that uh, was of concern for you, reach out to 
um, supports and friends. Um, take it out today with a track from uh, Rich Webb and from the album Le Rayon Vert. And uh, this track um, is called Shenandoah. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.